Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. you have experienced in your lifetime up to this moment have been created by thoughts and beliefs you have held in the past. Uh, we were exposed to something tonight on Monday Night Raw. Uh, live fecal matter, I think. Something that's going to get us sick. How can you be happy in this moment if you continue to choose to think angry and resentful thoughts? Like where the top title on, on Raw is, is held by Dolph Ziggler? Like, that's, that's, that's what we have. If you insist on holding on to the past, then you will never be free. There were, there were sheep sex jokes tonight. Multiples. A lot of what we normally say and think is quite negative. Singing Itsy Bitsy Spider is not an acceptable form of entertainment. We have to retrain our thinking and speaking into positive patterns if we want to change our lives. Don't talk about the way you are. Talk about the way you want to be. I mean, I get it. I see it, whatever. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, we are live. What's that sound? What is that sound? You hear it too, Sean? I don't know. Might be my air conditioner. That could be what it is. I don't think it's you us. Know, yeah, that could you be. You know, I'm, I'm poor and I use an air conditioner, although I am about to charge you $150,000 per news article that I write. Seems to be the going rate these days, Jimmy. So isn't it interesting that this was all positioned this week to be the power of positivity too? Listen, you yeah. boy, wrestling podcast, the second edition where we're going to try to find a positive about everything we talk about. And then this morning... 
as you know, I had to deal with some legal issues. Uh, all I'm going to say, Sean, is I I'll- guess you could say in a way you have given me a raise. You think so? Sort of. In that I don't have to deal with it. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. We're going to have to be making some changes to our FIFA Select uh, offerings due to a complaint by a certain entity out of the northeastern U.S. And uh, Sean knows my opinion on the whole thing, and I told him that I'm not going to personally respond because my response might not be positive, but (laughs) it'll be taken care of. It will be, although... uh... You know, we still got your scoops. I still got your raisin brand, folks. <laughs> it's there funny because this situation arose uh, after I inquired about one of them scoops I got right before we went on the show, Jimmy. You did. You did. It was interesting. We'll, we'll leave that for, uh, for what it is. I'm going to start by telling you a story. Okay. With a you do tell stories. I do tell stories, and this is one that I like to call my uh, my public service announcement. You know, yeah. Whenever whenever I tell you something, because maybe other people have dealt with something similar, Sean. I like to educate and inform fellow inside traders. You just can't let that one go. You have to continually go back to that. You know. Well, yeah. <laughs> have you ever uh, you ever had swimmers here? I rarely swim, so no, I don't think so. Nigel, you ever read Swimmer's Ear? No, I have not. Do you guys know what that is? No. It's like an ear infection, isn't it? Uh, like not one? really. Okay. It's it's when you uh, get water stuck in your ear, it clogs your ear up. And if you don't get it out, it could turn into an infection. Oh, Ooh. okay. And I got uh, Swimmer's Ear from being in the pool this weekend. And I could tell a graphic end to this story, but I'm not going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give just a positive end. But anyway, I got Swimmer's Ear this morning, and it bothered me all weekend, right into Monday. And I don't even know if you noticed, Nigel, all day Monday, I could not hear out of my right ear. Uh, it was completely clogged. I don't know if I talked to you Monday. Maybe so. you didn't. Maybe you didn't. So the first thing I did, Sean, was I found out about a formula, rubbing alcohol and white vinegar. You put drops in your ear. Yeah. It, it, it does its thing. I did that on Monday night, went to bed, woke up Tuesday morning, still completely clocked, my right ear. I used and, peroxide. Really? You put that in your ear? Mm-hmm. And that works? Peroxide and water, yeah. Really? Well, what I ended up doing was I read on Tuesday morning thinking, Jesus, I'm going to have to like, go to the doctor and all this crap. I read about how sometimes water gets trapped uh, behind wax buildup yeah. in your ear. And I never use Q-tips because you know it's bad for you, right? Correct. And Nigel, you know it's bad for you, right? Yeah. So I never use Q-tips. So I heard about this stuff called Murin. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. M-U-R-I-N-E. Murin, Murine. And it's these earwax drops. And I put those things in my ear Tuesday morning, gave it a little bit of time, flushed it out. Without getting graphic, stuff came out, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> and it cleared up like that. The clog was gone. Just like that, Nigel. Wow, that's pretty Yeah, it's, that's it's what it was. It's more casually known as dog murine, and it also clears up your acne. Yes, it does. Vitamin E, vitamin C, uh, known to cure cancer. Yep. You know, common, common stuff. I wanted to tell people about that because I happened to mention it at lunch to some friends yesterday, and they were very intrigued. They were like, what's the name of this stuff, and how long do you keep it in, and whatever. So if anyone's interested, I, ha- I put in 10 drops. I laid there for 20 minutes with my ear, the infected ear up, yeah. and then I flushed it with warm water, and boom. It was it like you could instantly. hear in HD after? It was like that. Yeah. It was every like, time every time I have mine done, it it does. It makes your head feel like lighter, even though it's a fraction of of a gram of whatever it is. Yes. I mean, I had vertigo one time because of a similar situation really? where I got 
clogged. And I was panicking. I was like, oh, shit, I'll never be able to do my job again. What, what's going to go on here? Right. And I got it taken care of. And, like, I was sitting there thinking back all the times when I would be defending a single leg takedown and the room would spin. And I'm like, man, I've had this going on for a long time. So now I specifically take care of, like, any ear infections, anything like that, that way. Awesome. So the first piece, because this is power positivity, too. So the first, yeah. piece, the first piece of positivity was the ear thing got resolved. That's number one. Number Ooh, two. Congratulations, Jimmy Van. Thank you to me. Number two, I have a new mic, Sean. You do. I saw some people on Facebook that were uh, teasing me about, oh, Jimmy says his mic doesn't work when he's not talking into the mic. And I was trying to explain to people, I always have my notes on the desk. I always look down at my notes. And the mic's never out like it was last week. So yeah. I said to Nigel, get me a new damn mic. He got me a new damn mic. How's it sound? How's the audio good? More importantly, what about that beautiful piece of art that Drawn from the Mind on Instagram did about your mic etiquette? That was going to be my next point. Nigel has it. So, Nigel, put it up for people on the uh, video. Yep. Video viewers. Sean, you can go ahead and explain it. So there's a guy who I notice on Instagram. I'm assuming they can hear me. Drawn from the Mind. Go follow him. He does a lot of uh, artwork for... Theo Vaughn and Fighter and the Kid and stuff like that. And I hit him up and I said, hey, can I commission something from you? And he said, hell yeah. And he does all this stuff on a stylus. Really? Or with a stylus, yeah, in a Samsung Galaxy. And he got it to wow. me within one day. And I will definitely be going back to this guy. He is incredible. And uh, he made it even better because you're wearing slip-on shoes. I was going to say, so I, I, was, I was joking with my wife about this. The only critique I have is that I do not dress? I do not dress like Luke Skywalker from Episode Four, uh, and I, I I don't dress like Obi Wan Kenobi. That was going to be my only thing. I wear right now. I'm wearing cargo shorts and a and a polo tee and sneakers. But uh, otherwise, you know what? I mean, so, so you dress like you're from 20 years in the past instead of hundreds of years in the future. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah, and I will always and I will always dress like this, Sean. I mean, let, let's change. be real to me. Who that? What, what the hell's the matter? <laughs> what the hell's the matter? But otherwise, it'll look good. It'll look really good. How much would that cost you? Well, I don't want to give away his rates publicly, but I thought it was—I thought it was very reasonable. Was a hunt? Is okay. Um, uh, it, okay. It was better than someone that I inquired about on your behalf this week. Really? I'll tell you. I'll tell you during a segment or during a video segment the exact price, but. Guys, he is very reasonable. Drawn from the mind on Instagram. Outstanding stuff. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, you'll have to tell me that. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's get on to the next piece of positive news because uh, I will put a positive spin on everything. So let's talk about Brock Lesnar. This sure. Was the, this was the big piece of news. I know you've already, like, you talked about it on the, on the, on the Holy Smoke show. You and Alex talked about it on Raw. I mean, well, let's talk about it again because your boy broke the news. Well, yeah, let's talk about it. And congrats because you did break the news that he was going to be at UFC 226. So everybody already knows what happened. I don't need to go into it. Uh, he's going to challenge Daniel Cormier. I want to give first uh, uh, a little bit of info into Brock's, you know, current UFC story or where, where he's currently sitting. Then I want to talk about some of the criticism and how those critics don't get it. Mm-hmm. So uh, he last fought in the UFC two years ago against Mark Hunt. He won by decision, but they overturned it to a no contest. I believe he's 5-3-1, uh, and one, I think, in the UFC. He hasn't won since July of 2010. That's when he submitted Shane Carwin to retain his title. In his last three fights, he is 0-2-1, including the no contest. And yet, despite all of that, 
Hasn't won a fight in eight years. He's 0-2-1 in his last three, despite all of that. He's going to get a shot at the UFC heavyweight title. Uh, I saw that a lot of MMA purists, Curtis Blades is the first one that comes to mind. And for people that aren't familiar with MMA, he's a heavyweight, uh, one of the top-ranked fighters in the heavyweight division. He was very critical about this is bullshit and how does he deserve it and blah, 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 blah. I also uh, saw that a lot of people were saying, oh, that was such a staged confrontation between Brock and Daniel Cormier, which I even was saying to Sean about, man, they really... I knew it was set up, and that's fine, but it was really set up. You know what I mean? Well, the thing is, Daniel Cormier doesn't need a script. He can, he knows what to do. He cuts, no, he, he cuts, does. But he cuts I, the best wrestling promo in MMA. He cuts wrestling promos better than most wrestlers do. I just found it funny because knowing his background the way that we do, he's a big wrestling pro wrestling fan. Him and Brock, I think in other interviews, have talked about how they're friends. They couldn't even hold a smile when they were in the cage because they knew it was all in jest and it was all for fun. But to those people that are saying, oh, that's fake and uh, UFC doesn't need this WWE shit and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, they do. What got all the attention after UFC 226? What was everybody talking Brock about? Lesner. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Before, Lesner. during, and after. That's the only thing yes. people asked me about all week. And yes. when I found out, it blew up. And Jesus, man. And that's the kind of info you get at FightfulSelect.com, guys. But Daniel Cormier, all he needs is to see Brock Lesnar at ringside. And he knows. He's the type of guy that can fill in the blanks. He sees Brock Lesnar at ringside. He says, I'm calling that son of a bitch out. Uh, I told this story in the Holy Smokes MMA podcast, and Joe really expanded on it. When we sent Brandon Howard, Mike Straw, and Joe to Buffalo for the UFC show, Daniel Cormier was miserable and in the middle of a weight cut and didn't really want to talk to anybody. And then Brandon Howard says, what did you think of WrestleMania? And then Daniel Cormier starts rattling off gate numbers, attendance numbers, what he liked, what he didn't like. He's interested in that. I don't know if he's that interested in the actual program, but more so the art of promotion mm-hmm. and the art of entertainment in that regard. And that's why he's so good as an announcer. That's why he's so good at these post-fight promos. You remember a couple of years ago, he got on the mic and said, John Jones, get your shit together. Come see me in the cage. Great mm-hmm. promo. Mm-hmm. He knows it. Curtis Blades, man, I do feel for him because he's and but fortunately for him, he's twenty six years old, and you know how young that is for a heavyweight. Sure. That's a baby at heavyweight, and I had a lot of people saying, "What's wrong with Curtis Blades? He's had a stutter since he was a kid, and he just got off a flight to Las Vegas and insisted on doing that interview and insisted on doing it with our James Lynch." So he wanted to get his story out there, and Lynch was the guy he went to, and I can't disagree with any of his stuff. I now, from a stylistic standpoint. I agree with him. Can't understand why a lot of people would really care that much about a Cormier-Lesnar fight. But from a pure entertainment standpoint, I'll be there with bells on. Mm-hmm. There is a, we, we've long talked about it. There is a natural crossover between pro wrestling and MMA. They're very similar. They're, they're all about you know superstars. And, and, and it's an individual type of sport. And that's the reason why this is drawing attention. Because Brock Lesnar, that guy's a showman, Sean. Yes, and, and all you got to do is call out Brock Lesnar's name and give him a path to the cage, and he'll do the rest. You know what I mean? And, yeah, he might not be PC, and I think he broke the camera when he threw the mic at it. Uh, but uh, he's a showman, and he understands. And the last guy in the UFC that got it was Conor McGregor. Yeah. And, and Conor McGregor hasn't fought in the UFC now in, what, two years? And since then, aside from Brock Lesnar, there has been nobody else. Because you got to understand... Aside from having the personality, Colby Covington's starting to get there. But aside from having the personality, you got to keep winning too. He's, he's Colby's very manufactured too. Like when yeah, he does interviews he tries with James, when he does interviews with James Lynch, James, you know, will 
set him up and Colby will try to knock him down. James will be like, hey, I saw you with these girls on Instagram. And Colby's like, what do you mean, James? I got a different girl for every day of the week. And I'm like, ah, man, okay, cool. But he also gets it to a degree where I spoke to Josh Matthews. And Josh Matthews said that Colby was like, hey, come on, let's film something. Do an interview with me so I can piss off Tyron Woodley. Right. So he gets it in that regard. Right. But still, this pay-per-view, which was a legit super fight, Miocic-Cormier, Early, at least estimates by Dave Meltzer, have it just under four hundred thousand, which is yeah. still very profitable for UFC. Don't let anybody. Average. Yeah, don't let anybody tell you it's not very profitable for UFC. However, that leads me to believe that the UFC is going to have to pivot some of their business model and make pay per views a little more special, especially with the ESPN deal coming up in five months. Yeah, and I, and I got to say too, when you look at the the heavyweight rankings of the UFC. To me, it's almost like the stars have aligned for Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Because in my opinion, when you look at that top 10, maybe with the exception of Francis Ngannou, because I think he's lost his mind. But otherwise, if you look at you know Derek Lewis, if you look at Curtis Blades, I think those guys would walk through Brock Lesnar. Oh, yeah. Uh, without a, uh, maybe, maybe not Derek Lewis because of his back issues. And I saw him do he, – he won almost $250,000, $300,000 and barely threw any strikes. But – yeah, I think that Curtis Blades annihilates Brock Lesnar. I just, think ad- just obliterates him. I think there's a chance he would. And when you look at that top ten, I granted, you know, Daniel Cormier's record has been stellar, and the only guy that's beaten him is John Jones, and I get all that. Uh, but you're looking at a guy that's that was a wrestler. Now he was he was a more elite level amateur wrestler than Brock was. He was an Olympian, but mm-hmm. he was an amateur wrestler. He's smaller than Brock. They list him at 5'11". I think he's smaller than that even. He's like 5'9", 5'10", probably. In, in order to make heavyweight, with all due respect to Daniel Cormier, Sean, uh, and I'll be honest with you, so when, we, when you and I talked about this fight last week, the Miocic fight, I picked Cormier because I thought uh, Miocic has had a lot of guys stagger him before, and Cormier hasn't. So I picked Cormier. When Cormier yeah. got into the cage on Saturday night, and I saw that he trained for heavyweight by like eating a diet of KFC double downs, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, oh, man. Like, his stamina is going to be gone inside of two rounds because he did not look good physically. Yeah. And so when I think about the fact that Brock is bigger than he is, Brock will be in probably better shape as heavyweight than he is. Their age is not that dissimilar because Brock Well, probably better shape from a visual standpoint. I don't know from a cardiovascular standpoint because, man, Brock turns into a plum after like a round and a half. Could be. It could be. But he's also going to be stronger. Yeah, could be. Could be as well. We. Maybe he'll be stronger off that shit. <laughs> we don't know. I think he'll be all right. Like, I, I think that Cormier represents as good a chance as Brock's going to get to win a heavyweight title at this stage of his career. Um, I still think I'll probably go with Cormier in that fight. Yeah, I would too. But I think that he's, Brock's got as good a chance against him as he would against any heavyweight. And again, any of the purists that say, oh, it's bullshit, it's bullshit, it's bullshit. This is what you need to be successful in the UFC in 2018. It's, it, that's that's just how it is. Yeah, that's just uh, how it's, it is. Unfortunately, it costs to do in business, and when you have a $4 billion sale, you have to do things that will draw people to the TV sets, to their computers, whatever, or to, to the arena, because they haven't had that of late. It's been a very bad pay-per-view year for the UFC. It's true. Yep. Let's talk about Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. You and I were talking on, uh, I think, last Thursday night or last Friday about how much better the UFC Hall of Fame was last Thursday compared to the WWE Hall of Fame events. Oh, yeah. Anybody that didn't see it, you can see highlights on YouTube. It went two hours compared to, what, five, Sean? 
from yeah. the WWE Hall of Fame went two hours. They only inducted like what four or five people, as opposed to seven, eight, nine people. I think uh, they had four people and a fight. And a fight. Inducted. And then and then uh, Shogun wasn't there. He just had like a like a videotape message. I think that'd but, be kind of a cool idea for WWE to adopt as a match to induct into the Hall of Fame. They could do that, but you know what? They can't do it when they're already inducting seven or eight other people. They need to that, cut that's down. That's true. You know, you need to cut it down. And I think that's a good way to get people who may not have the complete body of work to get in the Hall of Fame, because that was the line of thinking for UFC before this weekend, because Shogun and Dan Henderson are both going in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Before that, you had Mark Coleman versus Pete Williams. Pete Williams ain't getting in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Hughes against former Fightful or Fightful alumni Frank Trigg. All due respect to Trigg. He wasn't getting in without that fight. Mm-hmm. Forrest Griffin versus Bonner. Bonner's not getting in without that fight. Agreed. So I think that would be a great way to perhaps put someone in the Hall of Fame that might not be able to get there otherwise. But then again, if somebody's going to have a match that good and capture the imagination of the the crowd, a lot of the time they will have the qualifications to be in there. It's true. It's true. But I I just thought thought it was a much better presentation. Uh, I think that WWE, because again, we've talked about how eventually WWE is going to run out of people to adopt. Yes. So they, they need to cut down on the number of people that they have in every year. You and I talked about it. Goldberg, poor Goldberg, who was the main event of the Hall of Fame last year, by the time he walked out at midnight, the floor was empty because the family and friends of the previous inductees went home because it, yeah. it was so late. They need to cut down on the number of inductions. They need to keep the show to three hours max. Uh, it'd be better for everybody, including the viewer at home. And I think that this was a, a good example of that. Uh, going back to Ronda Rousey, she worked. You want to talk about commitment out of this girl, Sean. And I was, yeah. I was never a fan of hers in the UFC. I respected her, but I was never a fan of hers in the UFC. I'm becoming a Ronda Rousey fan now because the commitment we're seeing. So she does the Hall of Fame on Thursday night in Vegas. Then she flies to Philly to do a WWE live event on Friday. Then she goes to MSG to do the MSG show on Saturday. She's going to be at Extreme Rules this Sunday uh, sitting in the front row. She's had just tremendous commitment to WWE. I'm very impressed that she's put in that, that kind of time. Uh, and they drew a pretty good house to MSG. And I think her and Taker were probably the main reasons that they drew a pretty good house. Yeah. And uh, being able to Nia Jax. Shout outs to Demon Diva, WWE Demon Diva on Twitter for sending us some footage of those, of uh, the Undertaker entrance, Seth Rollins, Ronda Rousey. Good stuff. And, and the, uh, I thought the 2K19 commercial was awesome too. That was really good. It's great. Yeah. So this was something on vacation. I wanted to kind of unplug. I had never had that many days off in a row. And I, I just wanted to play some video games. And me and my friend played WWE 2K. And I had to explain to him, yeah, 2K is pretty instrumental in repairing some relationships. And usually they, they bring back somebody. They bring back somebody. Ray and WWE, I mean, they had a little bit of an issue, but even since then, they've patched things up. But it looked like he was going to be the big character. But now Ronda Rousey's going to be a draw. Yes, I think absolutely. Yep, yep. Look at all the positivity already, Sean. Power Positivity 2 podcast today, man. Telling you. This is, this yeah. is the way to do it. Uh, let's talk about the New Japan G1 special in San Francisco. Uh, yes. Have you heard an update on Hiromu Takahashi? He's up, moving around, speaking, but... From the time that spot happened, once I said stupid spot. Speaking of WWE 2K, I first saw that. I didn't, I saw it years before, but it kind of came back in the 2K game. It used to be a move that Kevin Steen would do on the indie circuit. It was the uh, Phoenix Plex back in the day, and he called Steenalizer, and now Dragon Lee's used it a couple times, specifically on Takahashi. 
but it's a dangerous move. Mm-hmm. It's a dangerous move when you hold on to it and pin a guy. Mm-hmm. It's even more dangerous when you heave them over your head and they have no way to control it. They can't. None. You can't take a flip bump. You can't. Yep. You can get over as far as they get you over. And Dragon Lee didn't do a good enough job. Mm-hmm. This was scary. He looked like that guy who got served that slid on his forehead on the dance floor. It was fucking gross. It looked bad. It did. In case anybody missed it, so Takahashi, uh, he defended the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. He broke his neck taking that move, finished the match with a broken neck, defended the title successfully, walked out with the title, uh, ended up in the hospital. I think it was Dave Meltzer that said that they think it was a broken neck. Uh, Pro Wrestling Unlimited just said that... um, He's back in Japan, so okay. Well, that's good. So he was he was able to fly anyway. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Now this show, I've I've only seen highlights of the the G one special, but there was a lot a lot happened on this show. So Kenny Omega beats Cody. They finally have their their, their big match for the IWGP title. Then they got back together. Yeah. Afterwards, that was interesting. But you know what might have been the biggest story of the whole show, aside from the Takahashi injury, the What's biggest that? story maybe of the whole show, Jim Ross taking a bump. There was just, for, between the co-main event and this main event, ooh boy, that was some good wrestling because Juice Robinson came into an area where he was never really over, mm-hmm. Cal- uh, America. And he played the underdog babyface, had the broken hand, and Jay White just hasn't been over. That whole situation, you know, bummer for Jim Ross. That yes. whole situation, it was a heat-seeking match. It was a simple match. It was a really great match. My favorite on the show and if everyone is to be believed, Jim Ross took that bump and then Josh Barnett, thinking on his feet, chased down Jay White, mm-hmm. which gave Jim Ross time to be checked on, mm-hmm. covered for the dead air, got heat on Jay White, got Josh Barnett over. I'm mm-hmm. like, man, if that is the case, that's as happy an accident as you can possibly have. Well, unless you're Jim and, Ross. Unless you're Jim Ross, <laughs> yeah. And he should be provided a safe work environment. Yes. Now, uh, uh, Jim Ross himself claims. So, again, in case anybody didn't see it, Jim Ross was doing broadcast uh, for the show, and it was a little unusual, I guess. They had him sitting behind the barricade. So the, so the broadcast table was behind the barricade. And when uh, Jay White suplexed Juice Robinson into the guardrail, guardrail hit the table. The table hit Jim Ross, hit him right around the rib area. Jim Ross basically went flying, thinks he broke a rib. And then, like you said, Josh Barnett uh, uh, helped save the, the dead airtime. Jim Ross claims that he told management when he found out how the seating arrangement was going to be, uh, he told management, make sure nobody's wrestling around the guardrail because he knew the table was right there. Yeah. And uh, they did it anyway. He claims that he's lost some bookings because of this because now he can't do much with the broken rib. So he's, he's understandably not too happy about it. You know, tough situation. He's under contract till January, and I was surprised that they renewed it this year because of his connection to WWE. I thought they put the kibosh on that, but uh, apparently that's okay. But this isn't going to help the relationship, and they have another show coming up in at the end of what September, I believe, for Fighting Spirit Returns or something of that nature, and that will likely be on Access. So I wonder how this relationship will be handled. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm surprised that Don Callis and Kevin Kelly are not calling these shows. Yeah, and, and the the fanfare towards JR has not been positive. No, it hasn't. He's not good. Yeah. In he's that just, environment, with, like, not knowing the wrestlers, not knowing a lot of the moves. Yeah, he's, he's just not good mm-hmm. at calling New Japan, and he's had years at this point to become accustomed to it. And mm-hmm. 
it may just be he he doesn't have it for that type of type of role, that type of job. It's possible. And you when you got Todd Kinley out there, you have Kevin Kelly out there, you have people who can call stuff. I mean, Tyler Valls, I think, is awesome. One of the guys that know that a lot of people in the mainstream don't know about. There are people that can call it. And to me, I get it. At first, Jim Ross was a bit of a draw to that to that show because he's a familiar voice. But I wonder how much of a draw he is at this stage, not. all things considered. Especially to that audience. Fighting Spirit Unleashed, Long Beach, September 30th. Thank you for Wrestling Unlimited. Also, they're running some Lions Cup shows, which will probably do a couple hundred. couple hundred, maybe. Mm-hmm. They're not doing anything with those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love the show and the, the angle to end everything. On the Fightful Select Weekender podcast, I cover being the elite and New Japan and Ring of Honor with regularity. And I've been wondering, as Cody and Kenny Omega fight over who runs Bullet Club, all this stuff, what are the Tongans doing? What is what is Tama Tonga, who literally helped invent the Bullet Club, mm-hmm. what's, what's he think of all this? And it's all just kind of quiet. And his brother, who played Camacho in WWE and has had a new breath of fresh air in New Japan, and Haku, their dad of all people, and they also have another brother who's like seven feet tall. Like I'm, I'm just starting to wonder where the hell <laughs> I'm getting all these guys. These that. They turned on Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Cody came to his aid. And now you have a splinter from that. They're the firing squad. They are an offshoot of the bullet club eventually. And, you know, they're mm-hmm. going to draw comparisons to NWO. But to me personally, bullet club has been far more creatively satisfying than anything NWO did after the first year and a half. Really, once that sting angle ended, I think there wasn't a lot. And, and the beginning of the Wolf Pack was pretty cool. But other than that, man, Bullet Club has been doing it for years and years and years and finding a way to make it interesting, transitioning from Balor to Styles, Styles to Omega, now Omega to Cody, Cody and Omega to the Tongans. It's good shit. What good was the, shit, pal. What was the, uh, the, the other group that they just created, the Golden Elite? They have all kinds of subgroups, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the Young Bucks and Hangman Adam Page, or the Hung Bucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know Adam Page is the world's most famous dick wrestler. That's I thought Joey name. Ryan is. That's their feuding. He killed Joey Ryan. He murdered Joey Ryan on the show. So that's, that's probably going to be an all-in show. It's I'm, great. It's I'm, shit, pal. I'm probably not the right demo for that. The Golden Elite is uh, the elite with the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi. They have the Villain Club, all kinds of stuff like that, all kinds of subgroups that are involved. Cool. Are we going to segue before we, we get to the next thing, or is there no video yeah. today? Because <laughs> I've been waiting video. for a few minutes. I've been, did you well, notice I mean, that? Sh- when he would finish a sentence, I wasn't talking. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, I did. I, I was had, waiting for him to say hey, something. I've had it queued for about Yeah, five yeah. Minutes. I don't know what the hell he's well, doing over there. You know what? Hit it. I Enjoying the air conditioner, I guess, is what he's doing. <laughs> Darren and Tola well, put together 350 Days, a wrestling documentary. They are doing a showing Thursday, July 12th. Google it. More info. Here's my discussion with him. I'm here with Darren and Tola. We're talking 350 Days. Very interesting. Uh, it's not a lot. It's not very often these days we see something with the hype of this film. Uh, Darren, tell me a little bit about it. Well, we basically have thirty plus legends talking about being on the road three hundred and fifty days a year, 
you know, legends like Brett the Hitman Hart, superstar Billy Graham, uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Paul Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, Tito Santana, Wendy Richter, and the list goes on and on. And I can't forget Jimmy Superfly Snook, of course. Uh, basically, I, I just thought it would be interesting to, to have a documentary with all these guys together instead of just seeing a documentary about one person, it would be about Brett, you know, get these guys all together talking about their stories, and it's close to a two-hour movie becomes especially bad. You know, no one's going to feel short change where it's like a 90 minute documentary and you're cramming this guy in and that guy. And this really, really is for the fans, you know, and I just thought it would be very interesting to do, you know, Sean. How long has, has this been in the works? We started filming in April of 2013 and, you know, with post-production and filming guys. And it took us five years to finish it. Stock footage. And, you know, it's when you're doing a film on your own and, you know, Dave Wilkins and myself pretty much financed everything. A good friend and executive producer. It's it's not easy, but we got it done, and we really think we have something special here. When you go about procuring interviews and discussions for things like this, you know, sometimes the beef runs for a long time. Are there people who maybe didn't want to be associated with the film if somebody else was, or maybe your connections with one guy led to a connection to the other guy uh, for the positive? How did that work out? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, I have a good friend of mine, Bobby Rydell, who's booking agent uh, to a lot of these guys. When I told him the idea, he said, oh, don't worry. He said, I'll, I'll get you, you know, as many guys as I can. And, you know, once we started doing it, they, they were really, really into it. They thought it was great. I mean, uh, Paul Wondorf loved it. Valentine thought it was great. And it just kind of grew, you know, and everyone seemed to gravitate towards it. Because the questions that we have, Sean, it's not like who was the booker in, in 77. It's all like human interest about being on the road and we have stuff that the fans are going to want to hear too. So we have the human interest story and we have the stuff for the wrestling fans, like never before seen pictures and footage and stuff like that. So we really think we got something good here, you know? Now uh, to shift gears a little bit, uh, you know, I was doing my research and when I, when you type your name into Google, not only does 350 days pop up, but uh, were you a cut man as well? Yes. Yes. I've been a boxing cut man for about 16 years professionally, and I've done exhibitions about eight years prior to that. And uh, as I always say, there's a lot of good cut men, but I was very fortunate given an opportunity. I was around good boxing people in Marciano's gym. And uh, when I was doing exhibition bouts, Lou Duva and Tommy Brooks would always come into Marciano's gym. They would come in with, with Pernell Whitaker and Trinidad and all these different Felix Trinidad, rather. So one day, Lou Duva came up to me and he said, uh, what is your schedule looking like next Thursday night? He said, I could use you at Hammerstein Ballroom. And I said, well, you know, I, I don't really do pro stuff. I'm an exhibition cup man, you know. And he goes, I said, you got to talk to Jimmy Archer. He's like my mentor. He goes, well, I'm three steps ahead of you. And Jimmy Archer says you have his blessing. So it was really, really a big thrill that Lou Duva took me under his wing and he really treated me like a grandfather. Like, you know, it was fantastic. I mean, I, I miss him every day. He died uh, almost two years ago and it's just uh, – even though they, you know, he had a good long life at 95, you still never miss your pals, you know? Yeah, I'd love to have our lead boxing writer interview you separately just about your days as a cut man. I think that's a, a really interesting approach. Oh, absolutely. I'd be glad to do it for you guys. And we are back. Well, we're back. All right, I want to talk WWE rating, Sean. Yeah. Because it seems like everybody is up in arms over the raw numbers this week. And it really is not as bad as people are making it out to be. And Yeah, so, I wish Nielsen would just kind of cease and desist. The problem is they're still the industry standard. Yeah. 
But the, Isn't that mind-boggling? Yeah, but I'll tell you what my problem is. My problem, and, and I mean no disrespect to, to anybody, my problem is that especially when it comes to, say, WWE and Raw ratings, a lot of the outlets that report ratings don't tell the whole story. Uh, True. And, and, and you know I have a lot of respect for Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer called the Raw rating this week, quote, the all-time record modern low audience. And he barely skimmed over the key demo, which is really what matters. And so I thought to myself, you know what? I am going to break down ratings. We've done it before on the show. I'm going to do it again because it's really not as bad as people are making it out to be. So, uh, so Raw this week, they averaged 2.46 million viewers over the three hours in the U.S. on USA because that doesn't include Rogers in Canada. It doesn't include any other market. It's only in uh, the U.S. on USA Network. Um, now, there's a few things that we got to talk about before people go up in arms about, oh, my God, the, the USA and Fox, they're going to really regret signing that contract and all this bullshit that people are saying. There's mm-hmm. things we need to consider. Number one, and you know this, television viewership patterns have changed. Yes. Right? If WWE drew 2.46 million people in 1998 during the mm-hmm. heat of the Monday Night War, that would have been one thing. Yes. And Bonnie Hammer would have been all over Vince McMahon then, and, and they probably would have canceled the show. But having that happen in 2018, it's different. Uh, we know that just patterns have changed. There's streaming services now like YouTube and Hulu. People use DVR now. People use illegal you know, pirating services and things like that. Young people, they're all into uh, alternative entertainment now, like social media and video games. Uh, so what I did was I did some analysis for Monday Night, Sean. I, I put on my little calculator number hat, if it exists, <laughs> <laughs> and I did some analysis and to, to, to try to explain to people how it really wasn't that bad. So on Monday night, Raw was still number four for the net on cable in terms of viewers. Yeah. Uh, and Raw also beat two of the broadcast networks in terms of viewers, Fox and the CW. And years ago, that was unheard of. That would never happen years ago. Uh, and, and on Monday, it did, and it's becoming more and more common. But the thing that is most commonly forgotten, and it's of the utmost importance, so I can't believe it's commonly forgotten, is the key demo. Uh, and what that means is it's the 18 to 49 demo. That's the demo that's considered the most desirable to advertisers. Okay. And you might notice, Sean, if you go on to some of the sites like Showbuzz Daily and uh, TV by the Numbers, the sites that do the rankings for, for, for ratings every week, they, yes. don't, they don't rank shows by viewers. They rank them by the 18 to 49 demo rating. Mm-hmm. That's how they do it. And so that's why when you go and you look up the, the ratings on Monday night on cable, You'll see Raw near the top, even though a bunch of the news shows had more viewers, because they do it by the 18 to 49 demo. If you go on Showbuzz Daily, same thing. They rank them by the 18 to 49 demo. Uh, and that's where WWE is still, is still really strong. I think it used to be 18 to 34, and they kind of change it. Might have been. Shifted. That kind of sounds familiar. Yeah, it might have been, because it's been a while. Um, it's not uncommon, just, just so people get an understanding, it's not uncommon for a show that, let's say, does 4 million viewers a week, to command less ad dollars per commercial than a show that does 2 million viewers a week if that 2 million show has a higher rating in the 1849 demo. And that's why mm-hmm. for a long time people used to say, oh, Raw is a tough sell to advertisers, even though they were doing 5 million viewers, because this was in the, in the MTV era when there were a lot of other shows that had a more reasonable or more desirable rating in that demo, they would get higher ad rates than, than wrestling would. Okay. Uh, so that's something. Now, if you go back and look at the Monday night uh, numbers in terms of the key demo, Raw was number two on cable for the night. Yeah. The only thing that beat them was Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, one of your favorite shows on VH1. <laughs> Wouldn't know what it is. And Nigel has uh, Nigel has the graphic that shows that the cable. Thought he was going to show a clip of Love yeah. and Hip Hop. <laughs> <laughs> no, these these are the ratings, uh, and this came from I, I believe TV by the numbers. 
And again, this is how they present the readings. We didn't create this graph. This is how they present them, and they present them by the key demo. Then on broadcast television, Sean, Raw was ahead of every broadcast network for the whole night, except for ABC and NBC during the 8 o'clock time slot. The rest of the night, Raw beat every other network in the key demo. Times have changed. Put up that one, Nigel. So if you look at this, at 8 o'clock, boy, I love that I can see both. This is good. At 8 o'clock, they were beat by ABC and NBC, and the rest of the night, they beat everything on broadcast television in the key demo rating. This is why there's interest in WWE. It's because they're still strong in that rating and because they're still live content. And the theory is live content is DVR proof and stuff that isn't live. People will record and fast forward through the commercials. They're more privy to watch the stuff live and watch the commercials. That's the theory. So you know what, what else I did, Sean? What's that? I looked up a show you're always talking about called Crisley Knows Best. <laughs> yeah. You're always we talking talk- about Crisley Knows Best. We talked about it on SmackDown last night. It's all you talk about is Crisley Knows Best. You're clearly Class a closet ass. fan. Clearly no, a closet fan. I am definitely not a closet fan. That show is a trash fire. So I looked up Crisley Knows Best because you, you, you always make comments about, oh, they're not going to get a billion-dollar contract and all this kind of stuff. So uh, last Tuesday, as an, as an example, SmackDown did 2.01 million viewers from 8 to 10. Crisley did 1.34 million viewers at 10. So SmackDown, you know, was the better show in that regard. Then if you look at the key demo, SmackDown did a 0.54 rating, including 0.7 for males, which is pretty strong. Crisley did a 0.41 rating, which was slightly less. But then the biggest thing again, and this was according to lastwordonsports.com, 99% of the time, live sports are watched live versus other content, which is watched live 53% of the time. Meaning that a show that's pre-taped like Crisley, more people are likely to record it and watch it later and fast forward through the commercials. People are more likely to watch SmackDown Live and watch the commercials. That's what makes WWE valuable. That's why they got those contracts. And so disregard people saying, you know, the all-time record modern low audience doesn't really mean anything. You have to look at all the Shows like this Monday don't help because it indicates to people, yeah, you can absolutely DVR it and not miss a damn thing. If you take out out the first and the last segments of this show, you didn't miss a thing. Oh, and and I'm not defending WWE Creative. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you and I have talked about what a a shitstorm they are creatively, so I'm not defending them. All I'm saying is the numbers are still pretty good in terms of what advertisers are looking for in comparison to other content. Yeah. So. You know, I wonder if the quality and confidence in their own product motivates them to maybe do some other things that affect us. Possible. Possible. Perhaps to protect their investment a little bit. Maybe. Let's move on. So uh, <laughs> I, normally, I normally would not talk about misconduct allegations, Sean, on this show. Yeah. Normally I wouldn't talk about it until an investigation is completed. Uh, the reason I'm going to bring up this whole Taylor Hendricks, Jay Lethal thing, and you can talk about the details, I'm only bringing it up because Jay Lethal is a prominent, he has a prominent position in Ring of Honor. And so I feel like we need to discuss it. It'd be like if something came out against Brock Lesnar or against AJ Styles or anybody like that, I feel the need to address it because of who they are. So based on Jay Lethal's position, we need to talk about it. What's the latest on that whole thing? Is that still his air conditioner? I have no idea what that is. You hear it, right? Yeah, it is my air conditioner. It's hot in here. I'm poor. Anyway... It sounds like you have a bucket of ice, and then you just stir it with a wooden spoon every now and then. <laughs> well, that's, that's, you know what? That's how I have to keep myself 
warm or cold rather at the at the wages in which i'm paid <laughs> oh there might, might be worse in the coming weeks considering my legs are getting chopped out from underneath me uh-huh. anyway ring of honor says they're looking into it the thing is you know I don't, i'm not taking a side on this there are no sexual assault allegations it's allegations that jay lethal had her taken off of tv because she wouldn't sleep with him and it doesn't help her in the eyes of many that immediately before she's like, what did Truth Martini and Jay Lethal ever do in this business? And I'm like, quite a fucking bit, actually, when you think about it. And she was shitting on his character and his performance and stuff. And I'm like, one thing doesn't have to do with the other. Mm. And, you know, Ring of Honor's looking into it, or at least they claim so. Mm-hmm. And okay. that's the situation we're in. Well, because this is the Power of Positivity 2 podcast... <laughs> I need to find a way to put a positive spin on every story this week. And yeah. so all, all I'm going to say is kudos to social media for, again, demonstrating the power that it brings to bring stories to light like this. So positive somehow on that one. Let's go to Stupid People. <laughs> you have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Okay, got some good ones. So thanks to TrevorStrong.org for the usage of the stupid song. Got some good ones, Sean. This first, oh, yeah. one, this first one reported by USA Today on July 6. Uh, in 2010, the U.S. Postal Service issued a stamp featuring the Statue of Liberty, uh, and they referred to the stamp as Statue of Liberty Forever. And we have a picture of the stamp. Now, did you put that up? Now, Sean, I know it takes a little, a second for you to see this. When you see this, I want you to tell me, what do you think of that stamp? What do I think of that stamp? Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks generic. You know, whatever. Okay, so it, it was in circulation for four years. They printed okay. three billion copies of it. Uh, there was a problem. Do you have any idea what that problem could be? What is it, a replica or something? So it turned out that whoever created that stamp for the USPS, they use a stock photo service. Oh, no. And unbeknownst to them, what they actually used was a photo of the replica in Las Vegas outside the New York, New York casino. Wow. So Nigel actually has a side-by-side photo that shows you the replica image that they used and the real Statue of Liberty 
that they should have used. Now, you put that up. Oh, man. The face shot would have been would have been a better one, Nigel. Yeah, I had a couple of them, but there was... They, yeah, it was, okay, they yeah. were blurry. Face one would have been better, but whatever. So the sculptor, the replica sculptor, the guy's name is Robert Davidson. He sued the government for copyright infringement. Last Friday, he won a judgment for $3.5 million. No! Get me a check. There's what do a, I got to do? There's a positive spin, Sean. Because I have to find positive spins, man. Yeah, he got $3 million. Well, that's positive spin for him. The positive spin for the government, or for the USPS, they made $70 million in profit off that stamp. Oh, yeah. Cost of doing business then. Exactly. Exactly. But can you imagine somebody putting through that artwork together, grabbed the Las Vegas replica, had no idea what it was, put it on the thing, and they released that as a Statue of Liberty. Man, I mean, Melissa was shooting down my ideas for intros yesterday because they had copyrighted music in it we shouldn't be more attentive than the government yes absolutely true Damn. yep this next one i think nigel's gonna find this one funny because i know your sense of humor really yeah (laughs) so this was reported by fox news on july 10 uh there's an employee he works at a subway restaurant his name is gabriel caulfield bolken and he posted a story on on his facebook account about a customer that he served Uh, this past week. Uh, He said that a woman ordered a veggie delight sandwich and asked him to change his gloves because she was vegan and he had been handling meat. He said, no problem, that's a reasonable request, and he changed his gloves. He's making this sandwich for her. He's got it it ready to wrap up, and right before he wraps it, she goes, can I get some mayo? (laughs) He's already laughing. He's already laughing. So uh, this Gabriel guy, he thought she was kidding, paused and looked at her, but no, she was serious. <laughs> she wanted her mayo. Sean, what's the problem with that? There's egg yolk in it. There's eggs in it. Yes. So Mr. Gabriel Caulfield Bulkin said to her, you know, mayonnaise has eggs in it, right? And he said that her response was stunned silence. And she said to him, but I get mayo every time. Are you sure? Yeah, that makes it less. Wow. First off, mayo is fucking disgusting. It's tasty, but it's full of oil it's, and shit. It's and gross. I don't need a lot of it. Yeah. You know what mayo is good for, though? The European in, in me uh, dipping French fries. It's good. But I try not mayo, to Mayo, ranch, Mountain Dew, three of the grossest things I have ever ingested that people <laughs> seem to have all the time ranch is really good with wings it's good uh, if it's like some greek yogurt ranch i can handle it a little bit otherwise it tastes greek like yogurt what ranch what do they make yeah. ranch greek yogurt no no no, no. it's made uh, essentially out of greek yogurt ah i see i see yes. i see okay. uh, a little bit healthier but uh, and it doesn't taste as much like what i assume bleach tastes like so <laughs> you want to know the best part of the story yeah uh, the woman, according to this guy, uh, she looked defeated, then said, just give me the damn mayo. Took the mayo anyway, and then left with her sandwich. Nice. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> this last one, and don't forget again, uh, go to Fightful Select after this. We'll have Stupid People Extended, where I got some more good ones. But this last one, for the Sean Ross Sap file, you're going to like this one, Sean. You're going to like it. This was uh, originally reported by the Springfield News Leader out of Springfield, Missouri on June 26th because it was picked up by a lot of other outlets after that. So there's a woman named Alicia Walker. 
and she's the assistant professor of sociology at Missouri State University. She launched a study to see how the size of a man's penis affects the rest of his life. Can you believe that they devote funds to this, Nigel? They devote funds to this shit. <laughs> so, basically, this woman, I got to become like a scientist, a researcher, or I need to take some stock photos to get stolen. Maybe that's what you need to do. Or work at Subway. legal fees somehow. So, uh, what this woman wanted to do is she wanted to get at least 3,600 men to fill out an online survey and upload photos of their dicks. 3,600 men. All right? Um, what do you think happened? She got 4,000. <laughs> that was, that was going to be my guess as well. Uh, okay, so the story came out on June 26th, which is, which is when the study began. On June 28, two days later, the Missouri State website posted a statement announcing that the study was being discontinued and the photo and survey submissions were being destroyed. Why do you think that is? They, I don't, go ahead, hit me with it. <laughs> I'm not even going to hypothesize. <laughs> because men were uploading photos of cartoons like SpongeBob SquarePants. And she used this, she used this very political explanation saying that the data had been compromised. <laughs> So what, she couldn't just throw out the cartoon dicks? I guess it made her question the validity of all the information in the surveys. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could do, like, Reddit does a verification post for people and stuff like that to assure identities for AMAs and things like that. But my God. Yeah. So there you go. Let's move on. I want to talk about Glenn Jacobs. I I got a question for Nigel. What's that? Hope your mic's working. Oh, yeah. So you're the political guy. Sure. Uh, I know about your aspirations. I know about it. So, what are uh, his aspirations? I don't even know. Uh, we don't need to talk about it. So in 1999, okay. Jesse Ventura was the governor of the state of Minnesota. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, after becoming governor, he did some appearances for WWE. Specifically, he did an appearance as a guest referee at SummerSlam that year. The SummerSlam pay-per-view that year. And some of his critics called it a conflict of interest. My first question is, what do you think of that critique? Conflict of interest. Yeah, because, you know, people are going to bitch, right? And so some, some of his, they were already uh, opposed him already. Right, And right, so right. they call it a conflict of interest. And I think some of them actually filed a claim with the state trying to get him removed because he did some appearances with WWE. How long ago was this, sir? It was 99 when he was the governor. He had, I think he was elected that year. Okay. Yeah, I'd say it looks very silly from this side of uh, 2018, considering all the political conflicts of interest. But, I mean, I, don't, I have nothing in principle wrong with it. Okay, so the reason I'm bringing this up is because Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, he's running for the mayor of uh, Knox County, Tennessee. He's going to be the Republican candidate. Uh, he's favored to win, too, Sean. Right? Glenn yeah. Jacobs is favored to win. Early voting starts this Friday, July 13th. The official election day is August 2nd. Uh, while that is going on... Kane is continuing to make appearances for WWE. Uh, he, he hasn't been doing the house shows, uh, but he's been doing TV on Tuesdays. And on Sunday, he's going to be teaming with Daniel Bryan, going for the SmackDown Tag Team titles against the Bludgeon Brothers at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Okay? His opponent in the election, she's a Democratic candidate. Her name is Linda Haney. She did an interview with the Knoxville New Sentinel. 
And this is a quote from the interview. I thought in this crucial time he'd want to be here and be with the people. Being an entertainer doesn't make you a political figure. It may get you some votes, but I believe people want someone with common sense and who's ready to lead. Uh, he responded to that. He said that he has scaled back his work with WWE, and he said that it's just his job, and if he had another job, it'd be the same thing. He'd have to be gone for a day or two here and there. Yeah. Um, so, Sean, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Seems like a cheap way for her to try to attack him. Yes. He's showing up on a Tuesday night here yes. and there. Yes. That's it. A Tuesday and a Sunday night, like a couple evenings a month. I mean, he's, he's probably gone from the office, say, the Wednesday morning uh, or maybe the I Monday bet, morning. I wouldn't but... doubt that he tries to get a flight back that night. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it was like I, I maybe we're biased because we're wrestling fans and we both yeah. respect Glenn Jacobs a lot because I, I respect Glenn Jacobs a lot. But I think he has done nothing to uh, to not be a good representative for his county. Yeah, there's been no scandal with him ever. Have you ever known of any kind of controversy with Glenn Jacobs? No, never. Well, except for the time that he was in that car accident that killed his girlfriend, and the time that he set his father on fire. <laughs> yes. And... Yes. The time that he buried his brother alive. There have been a couple. Right. Yes. He, uh, well, he got the C, the chairman's son and attached jumper cables to his testicles. That was yes. a situation that happened. He tombstone piled drove Pete Rose twice. In Boston, though, man, that gets you over. <laughs> and I'm a Pete Rose guy. I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. Yeah, I look at it like if he was working a full-time schedule, if he was on the road 250 days a year, I'd get it. Yeah. He's doing TV. And as a matter of fact, I actually went and I actually looked at the SmackDown house show results for the last week because I was curious because you know how Daniel Bryan had said, I'm working too much, I want to work less, I want to work less. So I looked up the SmackDown live events. I believe they did a show uh, Monday in Augusta, I think it was, and both Kane and Daniel Bryan were not on that card. Yeah. So, So, I mean, it's not like that's his job yet. (laughs) He's running. Maybe things will change once he gets elected. So he, well, he did say in the uh, in the same interview, he did say that if he wins, he'll continue to make special appearances. Yeah. But he said my schedule now is sporadic, and uh, and the mayor job would be his focus. Sure. So yeah, I believe him. Yeah, good for him. Now let's talk about Extreme Rules. Eleven matches, Sean. Eleven matches, and I skyped you yesterday, and I said, can you believe that the that the I call it the dark match, the pre-show match is a tables match, Sean. The dark match is a tables match. Kind of hope Sanity adopt that as their thing because people are still going to chant, we want tables no matter what. And if you're going to have them get beat every goddamn week on TV, you might as well make make tables their thing. Also, an interesting fact, last night was the first time that Daniel Bryan and Eric Young had ever wrestled. You, now, I saw you say that. Is that fact? I, I looked on their cage match. I looked on ProFightDB, looked up YouTube, tried to Google things. Had no evidence of an interaction with them prior okay so so uh, eric young was in tna from when 2000 what four 2004 until a couple years ago meaning that he was okay and daniel bryan was never with tna in any capacity he never, never. did a one-off never wow wow pretty wild and eric young isn't a ring of honor guy he wasn't a yeah. New japan guy yeah he was an extreme wrestling coalition guy yes he was and on <laughs> fightfulselect.com we have one of his matches up where we provide commentary over top of it. There you go. So Sub- let's... Subscribe now. we got to start pushing that kind of stuff. 
Let's run down the card real quick. Uh, you give me your uh, picks. AJ Styles, Rusev. Styles. Agreed. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, Seth Rollins in a 30-minute Ironman match. Rollins is where I'm leaning just because I don't know what the hell's up with Lesnar anymore. Things definitely have changed with his contract status due to UFC mm-hmm. involvement. If if that's the top title on the show, Rollins. If it's not the top title on the show in a month or so, Ziggler. So I still think Brock's going to do SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. I still think he's going to do SummerSlam because he's not going to be free to uh, fight until the first week of January. Exactly. He's probably not going to f- start a camp until the fall. Yeah. And so I think he's going to uh, do SummerSlam, but we'll see. So I'm, I'm also picking Seth Rollins. Uh, U.S. title, Jeff Hardy, Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura. I agree. Shinsuke Nakamura. Raw women's title, Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax. Alexa Bliss, my God. I agree. SmackDown women's title, Carmella Asuka. I think Asuka takes it. I think that James Ellsworth tries to drop down this, the bottle of arrogance to Carmella. Asuka mm-hmm. gets it. Asuka gets it. I'm also picking Asuka. I question that there's too many title changes, mm-hmm. but uh, but I'm, I'm picking that one too. Raw tag titles, Matt, Bray, Bo Dallas, Curtis Axel. The leader of worlds are winning that all day. And did you watch Raw? Yeah. Matt Hardy beat the living shit out of Bo Dallas in that match. So let me ask you this, because I, I also I also don't see Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel winning the titles, but can Bray work? So what I was told was the week the the night that he came back, it was smoke and mirrors yeah. shit. I don't know how the subsequent nights were, but the night that he came back, because I was told traumatic hit, head injury. Now traumatic head injury does involve hey, I don't remember what the hell happened that led up to this wreck, which is what happened with him. Mm-hmm. But I was told the first night was smoke and mirrors, haven't heard about the subsequent night. So I don't know if he worked live events, but obviously they kept him from doing much on Raw. So I was paying close attention to the run-in at the end, uh, and he didn't do anything significant. He did, like, I think a clothesline or something and, yeah. and got the guy out of there. So I guess we're going to see what happens. Uh, SmackDown tag titles, Bludgeon Brothers, Kane, Daniel Bryan. I'm going Bludgeon Brothers because I think that Miz and Daniel Bryan are going to wrestle at SummerSlam since they don't know what his contract status is. I think they want to get that match in. And I agree because a Kane, Kane's going to win the mayoral election. Yeah. That's why I'm picking the Bludgeon Brothers. Seriously. Because I don't think Kane will be available unless they don't He's, want he's to... got bigger fish to fry than the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Yeah, I guess he does. Uh, Roman Reigns, Bobby Lashley. Reigns. Man, we're like in agreement on this card, Sean. Yeah, it's shocking. It's almost like WDB puts out really predictable content. <laughs> uh, the tables match. New Day Sanity. Sanity. Sanity's yes. got to win. They're they got to win. The tables, I think, will be their thing. It should be their thing. Yes. As they Alex need to win. said last night, Dudley boys are long gone. Let somebody else take the reins at the tables. Yeah, and let they it, need to win. You're right. There. Yes, they do. Steel Cage, Braun Strowman, Kevin Owens. So my gut tells me Braun Strowman, but Braun Strowman is over no matter what. Kevin Owens winning because he's trying to get away from Braun Strowman makes a little bit of sense. It's a good story to tell. Yeah. Yeah, and he could win by... Did you ever see the uh, Lex Luger, Bruiser Brody cage match? I didn't. You familiar with it? A little bit, yeah. So anybody who hasn't seen it, it's on YouTube. So basically, Bruiser Brody that night, I think it was uh, at a live event in Florida, Florida Championship Wrestling back in the day. And late 80s, mid to late 80s. Bruiser Brody, who was known to be moody, didn't feel like working with Lex Luger. Uh, and so if you watch that match, Lex Luger's throwing offense, punches, clotheslines. Bruiser Brody's not selling a damn thing. And Lex Luger, for all the muscle he had, he was not a tough guy, Sean. And, Bruiser, and Bruiser Brody was. 
And as soon as Lex Luger got wind of the fact, uh-oh, this guy's not uh, cooperative, Luger climbed out of the cage and left. <laughs> Go on YouTube and you can watch the match. And, and Fantastic. That's, yeah, and I, that's, should, I should do alternate commentary on that. If you it's should. Available. Yeah, look, it's, look it up. Look it up. That's, that's what happened. Uh, last but not least, Finn Balor, Baron Corbin. Balor. You think Balor's going to win? They seem to like Corbin a lot right they now, do. but I think that Corbin's kind of bulletproof in his role as because he's the authority too. figure. That's his main thing, yeah. Okay, I'm picking Baron Corbin because of his position. That's fair, but, but I, I think it'd be better to have uh, Balor win for sure. We will have a live post-show podcast on Sunday. Let's it's what's hot in the streets. <laughs> Is it? Is it? Yeah. Let's talk about Kurt Angle. Uh, he got a little bit of heat over a tweet that he has since deleted, probably wisely. Yeah. And he was responding to Dash Wilder, and we have the tweet. Now, did you put it up? So Dash Wilder said to Kurt Angle, uh, this is before Raw on Monday, Hey, Kurt, we've dominated the big dog two weeks in a row. Just keep that in mind. Kurt Angle, in his uh, brilliance, responded, So two meaningless tag matches against two athletes that don't get along? This defines your tag team? Son, you've got a lot to learn. I'm guessing you will. As you can imagine, Sean, as I continue to hear your air conditioner, the uh, the tweet did not go over you well. Wanna, you want to buy me central air? You can relocate me if you want. I mean, you could get an air conditioner that wasn't eighty seven years old, and the, oh, this one's brand new. Got it a few weeks ago. Really? Yeah. Oh did, yeah. Did you get it from Goodwill? No, I got it from the one hundred and fifty thousand dollars store. Anyway, <laughs> I'll need you to cease and desist making fun of my air conditioner. Anyway. <laughs> Dash Wilder appropriately, <laughs> appropriately reacted and said, no tag match that I'm in is meaningless. Good. He gets it. He understands. And I mentioned this, and I, it did affect me. It did affect me. And this is the point where some idiots will be like, it's a work. It's all. Shut the fuck up. When no, the GM of this show comes yes. out and set character. As yes, a, as a character. As a character. Yes. And then the next night you got tag matches that are very similar. Yes. I'm supposed to think that that the Mickey James, Alexa Bliss against Naya and Natalia match isn't meaningless now? Yes. That, that pisses me off, man. Nothing was... on that show should be meaningless. That was the whole rant I went on the other day when I said that WWE is largely out of the business of telling stories. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're in-ring I think their in-ring outside of maybe 2013 has never been better than right now Mm -hmm. in the ring. As far as athleticism and entertainment, as far as heat goes, boy, that's a different story because I go back and I watch these retro reviews and I see heat all over the place. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of heat on these shows unless you're in a really good town. And that's because they don't book stories to, to enter, to, Oh, God, no, it's to like to, to, to grasp the viewer whenever yeah, to grasp the viewer. Whenever and, uh, we talk about in our intelligence, whenever we talk about, man, you know, Raw was good this week. It's always because of the matches. Right. Like mm-hmm. that gauntlet match. Everybody was putting over the gauntlet match and talking about, man, this is one of the best Raws in a while. Nobody Seth was, Rollins has carried the quality of this show on his back for a long time. Yeah, but nobody but, nobody puts over the show because of the storyline content. Yeah, maybe right? maybe a big spot involving. Braun Strowman here and there. Right. It's either Braun Strowman tearing shit up, right. Ruby Riot having a good match, or Seth Rollins tearing the house down. That's usually right. what it is. Right. And the Rousey stuff was good when she first came back. 
or first came in. Yeah. That, that stuff was good. Now, I got to find a positive spin because this is the Power of Positivity 2 podcast. I got to find a positive spin on this. Kurt's spelling was pretty good in that tweet. Yeah, it was. The spelling was, was pretty good. The grammar was pretty decent. He didn't have a decimal point at the end, and he put the number two instead of spelling two. But otherwise, <laughs> it was pretty good, Nigel. Like, he didn't misspell meaningless or anything. I'll add, I'll add the power of positivity to my air conditioner. Somebody in the live chat says, apparently SRS wants to live in the house of horrors. I had the opportunity. <laughs> yes, Jimmy legit offered to buy me the house of horrors in order to, uh, I don't know why. Well, because you'd have to live there. So what's positive? Uh, okay. Free property. Free pro- for, I mean, for you, what's the benefit? I'm, I'm, I, I enjoy giving to others. <laughs> I'm charitable. That's true. Yeah. I, I, you know, I laugh, but it is true. Yeah. There you go. Uh, do you want to go to your thing or do you want to move on with the next... Uh... 350 days. Darren Antola, here's the next <laughs> clip. The release of 350 days comes at... An interesting time because maybe even five years ago when you all started filming this, WWE Network wasn't around. And they would do a lot of home video releases. You'd see more uh, theatrical releases for documentaries and things of that nature. Not so much anymore. You all are almost alone in the space for a pro wrestling documentary to release in this method. How do you think that will – or has it affected your approach at all, the advent of the network and the way that – wrestling has changed just in the last five years in that regard well even if you look at the network right they have some really good stuff on there but they, they don't have what we have right i have some of the last interviews captured on film like guys that passed away like jimmy snooker george animal steel ox baker uh, the wolfman willie farkas angelo savoldi larry show i really think we have something different that hasn't been done like have you ever seen anything on the network that has fans with the fans' photos orchestrating travel luggage shots with the wrestlers carrying luggage from parking garages and stuff. We just think it's it's different, you know? And um, you're going to be surprised when you see this. I really think people are going to be blown away by it, you know? Tell us a little bit about where we can find out more about the event or the the movie sure. and, and it's, such. It's Fathom Events, fathomevents.com slash 350 days. Or you can go to 350daysthemovie.com and you can watch the trailers there and you can, you know, tickets are right there. You just click on there, it takes you right to Fathom's page. So it's either fathomevents.com slash 350days or 350daysthemovie.com. It's July 12th. It's one night only. Uh, this won't be on DVD for probably eight or nine months. We're going to most likely screen in other countries. So it's not going to be something that's going to be on distributor in eight weeks. You know, I really think people need to get out there and, and you know, we have bonus content at the end of the movie. After the rolling credits, we have uh, a Q&A with, with J.J. Dillon being interviewed by Evan Ginsberg, the associate producer of The Wrestler, starring Mickey Rourke, and talking about tribute to Bruno and Piper and the state of affairs of wrestling, how he compares it today to back then. And it, it won't be in the DVD. So we really, July 12th, you got to get out and see it. One night only nationwide. 350 days, the movie.com. In addition to the names you mentioned, uh, Acts from Demolition, Lex Luger, uh, Wendy Richter, Lanny Poffo, Tito Santana, all kinds of names involved in, in this production. Very excited to see it uh, whenever I'm able to. Uh, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Check out 350 Days. As he said, it probably won't be out on DVD for quite a while. They're, they're going to rely on the, the uh, theatrical release. I think it's a one-night event, but good stuff there. Jimmy Van. 
What do you got next on the list? So I got some more positive news. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is potentially positive rock news. Uh, so he, and I know you know this already, he was on Good Morning America yesterday, July 10th, promoting his new movie, Skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Uh, my gut tells me that the studio is not confident in that movie, Sean. It looks like shit. So is here, Guzzo is going to review it for us. Here's a telltale sign. Whenever one of The Rock's movies buys airtime on Raw, that means the studio was not confident in the movie. And, yeah. they've been, and they've been buying a lot of airtime on Raw, and so that's my gut, is that they're not confident. It probably didn't test well. So anyway, uh, he was on Good Morning America promoting it. Uh, they brought up his daughter, Simone, his oldest daughter. And he revealed that she wants to be a WWE wrestler, and he is going to support her in that endeavor. What do you think? Usually you hear people like that that are that will say, I don't want them getting into the business. don't want them getting into the business. But I also see her commenting on wrestler posts here and there on Instagram. Uh, I, I don't, I've ne- I never hear from her really being backstage a lot or anything mm-hmm. of that nature. She's really but, young still. She's only 16. Yeah. And I, I imagine, because uh, Rock's not a dumb guy, I imagine he's going to want her to get a college education. Yes. If he doesn't, he'll never see this. Make her get a fucking college education. Don't let her go from high school into pro wrestling. But uh, I think he looks at yeah, it like... Yeah, she might go broke otherwise, right? I know, but come on. <laughs> you you want to... Trust me, man. The Rock is not going to let her be Brooke Hogan. Sure. Not going to let that happen. I agree. So, uh, so but I, I look at it like this. Charlotte Flair. I have seen interviews with Charlotte Flair where she's talked about her aspirations to be an action movie star. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of the talent, especially the ones that... Because Charlotte Flair was not a wrestling fan growing up, even though her dad was Ric Flair. I think that Charlotte Flair, like a lot of people in the business, look at wrestling as a springboard to something else. And I could see Simone Johnson looking at wrestling like, look what happened to my dad. You know what I mean? I'll get into pro wrestling. I'll develop a name for myself. Then I'll have my dad's connections. And I'll use whatever I, I generate from wrestling's popularity. And I'll be a star in Hollywood. That could be what she's thinking. Could be. Could so, be. As good far on her as skyscraper goes, $125 million budget, I'd be shocked if that became a success. Well, the, the good thing about For the Rock is that he's very big internationally. That's and, true. They, yeah. He does crazy, crazy yeah. numbers in China, from but what I understand. Even if they only do, say, $100 million domestic. And it's funny saying only $100 million domestic. Yes. But given the budgets now, even if they only do $100 million domestic, he could do two or three or more internationally and be fine. There have been a couple of his movies that either flopped or went straight to DVD. They, that Empire State movie that he had, and then there was one that had like had quite a few. It had Justin Timberlake in it, and it just fell flat. Southland Tales. Have you ever yeah, seen but that, that? No, but was weren't those way like years ago before he uh, changed agencies and all that stuff? I, that Empire before, State right? was a couple of years ago, I believe. Was it? Okay, Southland Tales was two thousand six. Yeah, that was a different time. As a different but time. you look at that, you look at the people who were in it even back then. You had Justin Timberlake, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Sean William Scott, Mandy Moore, By Links, and people who had a name about them back then, and it didn't do anything. Also, if you ever watch that movie, just watch it. It's confusing as fuck. I'll probably never watch it. You probably won't. <laughs> but, uh, but, hey, but anybody who has seen Southland Tales, comment. It is nuts. But Empire State was 2013. Really? I've never yeah. seen it, and I, I don't even know much about it. It sounds familiar, but And uh, Liam Hemsworth, Emma Roberts, and Dwayne Johnson, so a pretty sturdy cast, but 
It didn't even get a theatrical release. Was it one of those ones that he did because he wanted the independent artsy experience? I don't get the feeling this is an independent artsy yeah. experience. No? It was supposed to be a big budget movie? I don't know if it's a big budget movie, but I mean, it's got Emma Roberts and Liam Hemsworth in it who are fairly big names. And isn't, isn't he uh, Cyrus's boyfriend? That guy? Heist movie. Huh? It's, it's a heist, heist movie? No. Okay, I've never seen it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll look that one up. Let's uh, switch gears and talk about Eric Bischoff. Yeah. Uh, I want to know your thoughts on this one. So he did an interview with Sky Sports, and in that interview he said he's interested in returning to WWE in the right situation. And here's a quote. I'd like to manage someone, a young talent that maybe doesn't have the mic skills. I think that would be fun because I can still get heat. What are your thoughts? I would love it if WWE would embrace male managers. There's no reason Stokely Hathaway shouldn't be working on WWE right now. Stokely Hathaway right now could help have the Authors of Pain over to such a degree. Uh, Eric Bischoff, I don't think he's the right fit for Authors of Pain, but for somebody, for somebody, yes, he is because that's such an integral part. And oftentimes WWE was like, oh, if they don't have Mike skills, just piss off. Piss look off. at look at what Paul Heyman did for Brock Lesnar. Exactly. Right? So when Brock came in, for those that might not know this, when Brock came in in, I think, 2002, he was this young buck out of college, and you think that he's a monster now. He was a beast in 2002. Yeah. And because there were people that were looking to sabotage his career because maybe he was a threat to them, they were encouraging him to use his athleticism and do things like a shooting star press. Uh, and it was Paul Heyman that kind of molded him and said, look, you're, you're 6'4", you're 280 pounds, you shouldn't be doing this shit. And kind of changed the way he looked at wrestling. And, yeah. and, and, and to this day, Brock credits Paul Heyman. They're, they're really close friends, even though they couldn't be more different, Sean. But they're, yeah. but they're really close friends because he, he appreciates what uh, Paul Heyman did for him. I could see Heyman doing, or, uh, Bischoff doing something similar for somebody. I can see Heyman doing a lot of things, as I reported <laughs> on Fightful.com today, which caught the interest of people up did north. You, did you post that today? Yeah, I posted that today. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, is that uh, what is, is that what is that what respond, resulted in my me having the morning that I had? Was it that bullshit? Well, here's the thing: I reached out to WWE about this story, yeah. and I even have it in there about uh, Paul Heyman being listed as a writer. For that's the... what did it, you fucker. That's what I told got me. you. I, I told you. I, yeah, but I, I didn't know you posted it. And I didn't know you reached out to WWE. Of course I'm going to reach out to WWE. It's what a good journalist does. That's what got and me in trouble. They were more interested in the document than answering my question. Into the afternoon to where I said, you know what's going on. You know what the document is. Because I got an email about it earlier. But anyway. Do you think uh, you can make me a promise on the, on the air in front of everybody? <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, I can make you a promise. I just can't promise that i'll keep the promise can you promise me that moving forward uh you're gonna let me know about certain things that you say to wwe well i mean that's that's just i mean if i'm letting you know every single time i contact wwe for comment then i'm gonna be hitting you up every single day okay that's hey, i'm fair. reaching out about this i'm reaching out about this because I, I talk to somebody within wwe on a daily basis that's fair but if i knew that you're going to reach out to them and say by the way his name was in this thing i would have said don't say that no, no, no. I said, I've obtained information. You you don't think that they knew beforehand? Oh, I'm sure they had an idea. But I think, I think that probably put them over the top. Of course they knew. Uh, and the thing is, I reached out and I said, hey, you have a comment on this. I saw that he was listed as a road rider, which they have uh, teams of riders at home. They have teams of riders on the road. 
uh, Heyman didn't want to comment. And WWE was more interested in asking about the document, which I knew they soon after uh, knew about anyway. Jimmy, this is positivity. The power of positivity. And here's the thing. Heyman was listed as a writer for the Lashley segment. Now, I was told by somebody super close to the situation <laughs> that this may be ha, may have been a mistake or an error or but I don't know I mean the story's up at fightful.com and so another bishop I'm, I'm the $150,000 man Jimmy another should I, should I add them up and use that as the amount another bishop news uh he is involved in a new wrestling series on Amazon Prime called Dojo Pro. And whenever you hear about anything related to dojos or karate, you know that Bischoff's involved because oh, that's, yeah. he keeps going back to that. Uh, so this is in conjunction with the Ring of Honor. It's a 13-man gauntlet-style competition. I thought some of the names were interesting. Jeff Cobb, Joey Janela, MJF, who I know you know, Shane Strickland, and James Storm, Sean, was involved in this thing. They filmed uh, 12 episodes for season one. And, of course, again, what is another sign that this is a Bischoff, Bischoff production, aside from dojo karate whatever another sign uh well they didn't mention jason hervey but sonny ono sonny ono is he has a spot as the international consultant fair i mean they've been they've been associated uh since they were like uh like college kids or something like in their 20s i think yeah oh yeah from way way back i listen to bischoff's podcast weekly so he references Sonny Ono and their long-term friendship. Yep. Uh, quite yep. Often. yep. So I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Uh, I know that you were kind of ripping on James Storm because he changed his tune about the road schedule. Yeah, and I actually had people from Impact and WWE that were talking to me about that, and they're like, well, there's a reason why he didn't last in either place. And I'm it's like, unfortunate. Okay. So, so, yeah. he didn't, so he didn't want to go with NXT because he didn't want the schedule. Then Impact had to trim budget, and so he was cut there. Now WWE doesn't want him because he didn't want the schedule, and now he's saying, I want the schedule. Now he's saying, I want the schedule, and people who don't are pussies. And I'm like, but you just said the thing. Right, 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 right. right, right. Yeah. And here's the thing, Jimmy. I think that Bobby Roode would be the most over with him as a tag team. I think he is dead in the water as a singles guy. Now, to be fair you got to incorporate Glorious somehow into that because that's too good to not use. Yep. But, Rude, sometimes you're just meant to be the most over with somebody else, and Rude and Storm are over together. They play off each other perfectly, and man, does that Raw tag team, would that Raw tag team division really benefit from them? I would love to see a Team Canada of some sort. I think that given the popularity of, of wrestling in Canada and given the Roger Sports Net affiliation and everything, I would love if they could go back to what they do with the Hart Foundation. Now, granted, Bobby Roode's no Bret Hart, and I'm not suggesting he is, but imagine if they could go back to that. And I know it's a different world now and stuff, but if they could go back to where they're booed in the U.S., cheered in Canada, I would love that. Right. I, I think they that. would be able to make it happen, too. Because- Possible. You hear a Montreal and a Toronto crowd all the time. And I'll tell you this. Bobby Roode as the leader is not going to get it done, but you know who could, Sean? Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens could. And the thing is, the fans want to be along for the ride. I talk about Tommaso Ciampa all the time. Mm -hmm. The NXT crowd likes Tommaso Ciampa's work. Uh 
but they appreciate him as a character and they want to go along for the ride. And like I, I would see posts where people would say, here's a picture of Johnny Gargano fighting that dumbball bastard. And I'm like, all right. Like, cause they're going along for the ride and they're, yep. they don't really hate him. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. How'd you think, uh, how'd you like Kevin Owens in the Sami Zayn hoodie offering Kurt Angle the last bite of a sandwich? That's good stuff. When the last bite was this big, Sean, yeah. did you notice that? Yeah. And he kept on saying, but it's the last bite. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Last thing on my list this week, uh, WWE injury news, because a whole bunch came down at the same time. Oh, so yeah. Dustin Rhodes underwent surgery on both knees at uh, Dr. Andrews Clinic in Birmingham. Fondango underwent surgery for a labrum tear in his left shoulder. Ric Flair finally had his surgery to remove that colostomy bag. Uh, all are said to have gone well in all cases. That's good. Uh, Fandango and Goldust weren't on TV much, if at all. If I were WWE, I would slide Tyler Breeze over to 205 for the time being. Yeah, because they're not doing anything with him, yeah. Not do anything with him. Do something with him there. Or make him have a cameo appearance on NXT. Make use of the guy if you're paying him. As far as Goldust goes, that's unfortunate. Double knee surgery, and he is no spring chicken. Question for you. Do you think, so I I have somebody offering to give me um, a piece of merchandise for a contest. Uh Uh-huh. Can I get this on camera? Yep. Ooh. Yeah. So that is a picture of Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell. I'm getting that signed by both of them. Oh, nice. Yeah, so Liddell and Couture are going to sign that, and uh, I'm going to get that for Fightful. Do you th- does, does, does the listen and your boy listeners care about that at all? Should we strictly leave it with, like, holy smokes? Let me know what you guys want to do, but we'll come up with some kind of a contest for that. I could probably we have t- a lot of contests coming up. It's going to yeah? be... We're just giving them away we might need to cash this stuff in though <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> uh the lights are not turning off that soon sean it might be we're all right we're all it right might be we're all right DM me for business inquiries <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh here's, here's god something. i love it i here's love something. it that's all I got you, this week. You know what bothers me the most about this situation? Yeah, that, you, that, that you, you didn't tell me that you said to WWE what you said. I can't even make a shirt because somebody else has already ran the gimmick into the ground. But we could still do something creative. We can come up with something. We could. Yeah. Man. Somebody says you can offer it when you hit 10K subscribers. We had a lot of subscribers uh, hit us up this weekend. I think we're at uh, like 9,200 now or something. Yeah. And... Yeah. We're going to look to add some more stuff. I don't know. I'm kind of afraid to add anything at this point. <laughs> Are we ever going to tell the full story? Uh, eventually. i got to take care of the situation first. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Now I, now I know what the root cause of it was. Well, I mean, so. yeah. here's the thing. The person that I spoke to acted like they had no clue what I was talking about mm-hmm. well into the afternoon. I'm talking like three hours ago. Hours after... We got the the email. So part of me, either that person was playing dumb or it was a coincidence. I don't know. It could be. It could be. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like I don't have enough layers to my day. Now I'm going to deal with this bullshit. Will Cole Cabana come cover our case since we covered his? There's not going to be a case. We're done with this topic. <laughs> We're done with this topic. Wrap the show up. The Positivity Show. The Power of Positivity 2. I'm incredibly positive about this. You want to know why? Yeah, because it's not your money. 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I am stoked. I have met your attorney. He's a wonderful person. He's very good. Actually, I had a whole team. He's he's very good. Oh, damn. Yeah. I'm just going to run around committing all kinds of crimes now. I'm ready. I had to talk to an IP lawyer about this one. I had to go to the IP division and talk to an IP attorney. Damn. By the way, guys, check out Fightful Scraps. It's a project we have going on with uh, clips from the show. Subscribe to FightfulSelect.com where you can get a list of things that are alongside, <laughs> uh, you know, the page. And Fightful just so people Sol- know, I created Fightful Scraps because we, I saw some feedback about how people don't necessarily want to watch an hour and a half podcast. So for those that don't, we take bits out of this, put it on Fightful Scraps. There you go. Yeah, lots of cool stuff over there. I added NBA free agency talk, which is getting positive reaction from really? me and Alex. There like you go. People are really liking it at the end of these boring smackdowns. We're, we're talking about where Isaiah Thomas is signing and stuff like that. Now, I'm not a basketball guy. Is he the son of the other Isaiah Thomas? No, he's not. Uh, okay. He was. He's a very undersized guard who can score but can't play defense. But uh, a programming note, guys. I brought Mr. Warren Hayes on, who does our retro reviews, on to do an NXT 205 live review weekly on Fightful Select to, to just add to that service. I will release the first episode free tonight. So that's a new feature for Fightful Select subscribers. Uh, so subscribe. You just never know what we're going to add to Fightful Select or what we'll take away. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy uh... Man 74 on Twitter. At Sean Ross Sapp on Twitter. We got Stupid People Extended coming up soon, right? Yeah, that's right. We're going to yeah, do that next. Trevor Strong hits us with an email. Until next oh, time. Oh, no, no. That, that would be an appreciative email, Sean. <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah. We are out. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save